I want to talk to you about something that I've been chewing on for a few weeks. And something, honestly, we're going to look at a story about Jesus that I was really struggling with. That I kind of had a hard time with. Um, so today we'll start out, I'm going to talk to you about being ignored and offended. Ignored and offended. I don't know about you, but I hate being ignored. It's so aggravating. I, I can't stand to be ignored. When you say something, or you're talking to somebody, and they just act like you didn't say anything. It's aggravating. Uh, Malachi got pretty upset last night at youth. He came in my office when I was in there studying and said, I know you ignored my phone call. I didn't ignore his phone call. In fact, I tried to call him back several times, but he was in here in youth and had no service and didn't know that. It's aggravating when you think that somebody's just ignoring you, right? When we were, I remember when we were kids, uh, and Nate would tell you the story, but uh, my dad asked Nate one time, would you rather, because he kept asking if he could play sports, would you rather play sports or get a horse? And Nate said, play sports. And so my dad acted like he didn't say that and bought him a horse. And he didn't get to play sports. <laughs> bought him a little pony named Mary Legs. So Nate will tell you like how irritated he was about that. I think he still is as a grown man. <laughs> if you ask him the story, you'll see the irritation come out. You could at least tell me what you mean. Even if you don't like what I said, I'd rather hear that. I think being ignored is worse than being rejected. Because at least if you reject me, I know where we stand. Now, at least if you reject me, then I can say, okay, then fine, we're, we're done. I know where we stand. You don't like me. All right, good. Let's move on. But if you ignore me, I don't know. Isn't it frustrating? Isn't it offensive when someone ignores you? It is to me. I get offended. But nowadays, it's kind of cool to be offended. Everybody's supposed to be offended about something. In fact, you feel kind of left out if you're not offended about something. Like you should be. I should be offended about something. I, I feel like they say that victimhood has gone viral. It's the cool thing. You're supposed to be offended. I'm offended about this. I'm offended about that. Or you've probably heard people say, you have a right to be offended. I'm offended for you. And like, it sounds funny, but probably everyone in this room has been offended for someone else. I have. I know I've been offended for family members and I've been offended for my kid when they were wronged. And I've been like, we laugh about it when you say it that way, but I doubt there's a person in this room besides Lawton since he's a little baby, that hasn't been offended for someone else. So we get offended for ourselves. We get offended for, for someone else. But as I begin to dig and to study and look at scriptures and look at what Jesus taught, being offended is a sin. And as Christians, we're never called to be offended. 
So by saying you have a right to be offended, that would be me saying to you, you have a right to sin. Yeah, you can choose that if you want to. And then how much more ridiculous is it to say, I'll be offended for you. That's me saying, I'll sin for you. Whoa. You have a right to sin. In fact, I'll sin for you. Because I'm hurt that they hurt you. I'm hurt that you were wronged. Or I'm hurt that you were discriminated against. Or I'm hurt that we can... But we can choose to sin on behalf of someone else. How ridiculous is that? But yet, I'm sure we've all done it. I have. Guilty. I know I have. In fact, I never realized I had until I was studying this and wrote that out. And then I realized, oh, I've done that. Maybe doing that now in certain situations that I have to repent of and think about where am I where am I doing this and we mask it as standing up for what's right that's the mask we put on it I'm standing up for what's right but I'm offended Matthew 24 I'm just going to read you verse 10 But Jesus was talking to the disciples and he's talking to them about the end of the world and the last days and all this this stuff that's going to happen. And he gets down here and he says to them, and then shall many, or that word many means the majority, then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Offended people hate people. And offended people betray each other. Jesus said when the world's going to end, here's one of your big signs right here. Everybody, the majority of people will be offended. The majority. They betray each other. They hate each other. The opposite of love. So that word that Jesus used right there, that word where it's translated offended, It's a Greek word, and I will probably not pronounce it right. Scandalon, something like that. But it's where we get the word scandal. It's where we get our English word scandal. And a scandalon is the part of the trap that holds the bait. So like on a bear trap or on a trap, it's it's the little part that you put the bait on. It's the part of the trap that holds the bait. Offenses or being offended, it'll draw you in. It looks enticing. It feels good to your flesh to be offended, to take offense, to justify. It's the right thing to do. I'm standing. It it will draw you in and then it will trap you. The teeth will lock in and you can't get away. You realize I'm in too deep. I'm now offended. It'll trap you. Remember in Matthew 18, um, when Peter went to Jesus and said, Lord, how often do we have to forgive? Seven times. Seven times in a day, like he thought he was doing good. And Jesus said, no, let's say 70 times seven. 
Seven's the number of perfection, completion. But even if you just did it in a literal sense, that's 490 times. That's once every three minutes if you don't sleep. Even if you weren't saying that it was perfection or infinity, like we say Jesus was saying, still, once every three minutes, I have to forgive. Hmm. Look at Luke 17, 1. Luke 17, 1. Then said he, this Jesus, unto the disciples. Anybody in here consider yourself a disciple? A disciplined one? One that's following Jesus and learning from him? Okay, so this is a word for us. Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible for the Son of God. What is impossible? That the Falcons would win the Super Bowl? Nope. Not impossible. <laughs> that what's impossible? That people would be healed? Nope, that's not impossible. What is impossible? It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. Jesus said, I can guarantee you this. Offenses will come. Offenses are going to come your way. You're going to have the opportunity to get offended. Offenses will happen in the world you live in and in relationship with other people. And yeah, there will be offenses. But being offended is a choice. Offenses will come. But to be offended is a choice. You choose. That's something that you pick. So who's offended in 2019? A lot of people. According to the University of Hull, psychologists confirmed that 98% of offended people actually set out hoping to be offended. Go read that study. It's quite interesting and funny. Uh, but that 98% of offended people actually set out hoping to be offended. And in the study, the psychologists say that this leaves the 2% that were genuinely offended about something without a voice, which offends them even more. Because they were genuinely offended about something. They were genuinely hurt or wronged and needed to change that. But since the other 98% of people were making up things to get offended about and they watered down the whole situation. And then when they heard what those two were offended about, they said, yeah, that's something good to be offended about. So all 98% jumped on board with them. But then it seemed like a joke and fake because the next day all 98% were offended about something else. And when questioned about it or asked about it, they didn't even know why they were offended about that because it wasn't their offense to start with. They took on the offense for somebody else. So the people, the 2% that were actually offended lost their voice and their offense got so watered down that it became invalid. So then they were more offended. It's a cycle. People set out looking, hoping to be offended. I'm supposed to be offended. And the more I read about it, and the more I read in Scripture, and the more I read these studies and all this stuff about being offended, it became more and more obvious that it's a cycle. It's an addiction. It's just like any other sin. The more you choose to be offended and it feels good to your flesh and, and then you can't stop. 
even if nothing offensive happens that day, you're going to find something. I had a few examples I was going to name, but I better not because maybe you've been using those or done those and then you're going to think I'm calling you out and I don't know. But you find something. There's nothing, if there's nothing offensive, you make something happen. Um, it becomes an addiction. Pastor Bruce says, I've heard him say multiple times, you can't offend me. Dusty, we're in relationship. There's nothing you can do or say to offend me. I choose not to be offended with you. Offense is, to be offended is a choice. Now he says that he, he tells that to his wife, Rhonda, but sometimes when she's really getting on his nerves, he looks at her and says, Rhonda, I'm about to choose to be offended with you. And she knows he's almost to the edge. But it's a choice. You choose. I'm going to use a word to get a point across that's not a real word. Is that okay? <laughs> Offendability. I'm sure you know what the word means, but I don't think you'll find it in a dictionary. The level of your offendability is a direct sign of your spiritual maturity. You find somebody that's real spiritually immature, they get offended about everything. We call them thin-skinned. <laughs> it's the opposite of thick-skinned. Them thin-skinned people. They bleed easily. Right? They're, you're just offended about everything. That means you're very immature spiritually. Because somebody that's mature spiritually, it's hard to offend them. Because they know. It's a choice. And it doesn't do any good. I'm not saying don't help a situation or don't fight for what's right or don't be. But most of the time, being offended doesn't help anything. It doesn't help a situation. The level of your offendability is a direct sign of your spiritual maturity. When an offense comes, the first thing you should do is post about it on social media. That's number one. You need to get that in your head. No. <laughs> nah. That's what a lot of people do. Oh, I'm offended about that. Man, where's my phone? I got to put that up on Instagram, Facebook, whatever else I can get it on. Because I'm offended. I need to let everybody know. No, the first thing you need to do is pray. Remember the scripture, take everything and cast it on him. Go straight to God and pray. The first thing you do when you're offended, why? Because it'll change your perspective. Take a minute. Take a breath. Don't respond. Take a second. Pray about it. And then put yourself in the offender's shoes. Think about where they may have come from or what may have driven them to make that decision or why they're at that place in life that they would have done that thing to hurt you or try put yourself in the offender's shoes. Can you offer hope, help, or healing for the situation? 
Is there a way that you could offer some hope or some help or some healing? Matthew 18 tells us, if your brother offends you, if your brother offends you, as brother is someone in your family, if your brother offends you, go to him. You go to him and you work it out. And we have instructions there in Matthew 18. You don't need an apology to forgive. You don't need an apology to let go. Even if they never get it right, you can get it right. Because it's hurting you. When you carry on an offense, when you carry on forgiveness, it hurts you. Being offended is no longer seen as a weakness in character, but as a constitutional right. Everybody's offended. I asked you the question a minute ago in 2019, who's offended? The answer is everybody. Men are offended. Women are offended. Millennials are offended. Baby boomers are offended. Democrats are offended. Republicans are offended. Atheists are offended. Saints are offended. Because that should have been in the Super Bowl. (laughs) See what I did there? Dang, ref stole it from us. Everybody's offended. Here we are starting a new season. Still offended. There's a group of vegans that are calling for the removal of meat-based metaphors. This is real. Go look it up. A group of vegans. They're calling for the removal where it's not okay to use any meat-based metaphor because it is very offensive to them. Like, bring home the bacon? No. They want to get that changed to bring home the bagels. Okay, this is real. Go look it up. <clears throat> bring home the bagels. An animal rights activist backed by PETA have jumped on the same bandwagon with them because they say a lot of our sayings and idioms uh, teach children that violence toward animals is okay and that a lot of our sayings normalize violence. So now they're backed by PETA and they've been campaigning for more vegan and vegetarian friendly idioms like instead of don't beat a dead horse, Don't feed a fed horse. Uh, Instead of killing two birds with one stone, feeding two birds with one scone. This is real. Instead of don't put all of your eggs into one basket, don't put all of your berries into one bowl. Instead of bringing home the bacon, bring home the bagels. See, we laugh and say that they're crazy. But when it comes to something you're offended about, you get crazy too. From the outside looking in, you look a little bit crazy yourself. When you're offended about something, when I'm offended about something, you on the outside looking in might be thinking, Gee, take it easy. Take a breath. What are you so mad about? 
And like we can sit here and laugh at them for saying those things, but yet when it's us, we all of a sudden we're valid. The uh, some people that were associated with Peter while I was looking this stuff up and reading it, they they got so serious about what they thought. They got sounds of cattle being slaughtered, and they bought a portable sound system, kind of like Alex has, that he takes out to his gigs where they could pump it up real loud, and they would go to local steakhouses and set up in the parking lot to try to make people not go in and eat steak. So owners of the restaurants ended up having to call the police on them, and the police came out and said, look, this is a, a private-owned business. You're going to have to move. I'm kidding. They didn't say that. They didn't say it like that. I just, sorry. Uh, but those people got thrown in jail for that. They're sitting in jail for it. Oh, they're crazy. But yet, you'll sit in jail right beside them for your offense. Because it's not so crazy when you're offended. The easily offended are easily manipulated. Think about that. If you're easily offended, then you're easily manipulated. If I can get you offended about what I want, and I can tell you certain things that I know is going to offend you, I can manipulate you into doing whatever I want. You're easily manipulated. Just because you are offended doesn't mean you're right. And somehow we've got it twisted to where anybody that's offended, all of a sudden they're right. No, that's not true. Just because you're offended, it doesn't mean you're right. When you're in love with somebody, you know how when somebody's in love, that person they're in love with can do nothing wrong. They're hilarious. They're, they're great. They're the best person ever. When you're offended with somebody... It's the opposite. Everything they do, you're seeing it through your glasses, your lenses of offense. Everything they do is wrong. Everything they say is, uh, you're mad about it. You're upset about it. Everything they do. Hmm. So now we're going to read this short story, the one I've been chewing on and struggling with in Matthew 15. And we're going to look at what I'm calling the three eyes that Jesus did to this woman. And I believe these three eyes, anytime you're offended, it's the offense of being ignored, the offense of being insignificant, or insulted. Any offense you take on can probably fit in one or all of those categories. And Jesus does all three of those to this woman. All three of them. We're about to read it. He ignores her. He makes her feel insignificant. And he insults her. Jesus, the beautiful one. Full of grace and truth. As we read this story, I want you to imagine this woman. Imagine how she must have felt. When Jesus who she knew was the Messiah, the God-man. Look how he treated her. I forgot where it was. Matthew 15, 21. 
Matthew 15, 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed unto the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Now he's going from Jerusalem with the disciples to the Sea of Galilee. And he departed and went thence and he departed unto the coast of Tyre and Sidon. That's 50 miles out of the way. Like if you were to do a straight line from where he was going to the Sea of Galilee, it's 50 miles out of the way on foot. That's a long ways out of the way. Matthew lets us know. Yeah, we went, we went way out of the way for this one. They probably thought he was just trying to get away, to retreat. And as the disciples were thinking... Hey, I mean, we're going way out of the way. Jesus is probably tired of all these Jews and all these needy people and sick people and people pressing on him and stuff, probably just withdrawing. Maybe this, he's going to his cave. We're going 50 miles out of the way where nobody knows us and we can just take a breath and get away from all these people. It's probably what the disciples were thinking. And you know how when you're in the wrong place, you meet the wrong people? I'm thinking that's what the disciples are thinking. But when you're in the right place, you meet the right people. I don't think Jesus was lost. Verse 22 says, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him. So Matthew says there was a Canaanite woman. Um, Let me point out that the Israelites hated the Canaanites. They thought the Canaanites were lower than them. They thought that they weren't as good as them, that they were mixed breed, half breeds. They called them dogs. They, caught, they, they thought that they were not as good as them. They didn't like them. There was a lot of tension there. So Matthew says the Canaanite woman came to him saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. Thou son of David. That means she knew who he was. She knew how Matthew started this book in chapter 1 with the lineage of the Messiah would come from. And he, and he goes all the way down the line to Mary and Joseph and Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David. She knew who he was. Thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Now, back then, they thought everything was a devil. They attributed all sicknesses, sin problems. They thought a lot of things were devils and demons. This says that she was vexed with the devil. But wait, I don't want to give away what happens. Verse 23. She comes to him crying and saying, Hey, my daughter's vexed with the devil. Please. Oh, son of David, have mercy on me. And then you know what Jesus does? Hmm. Hey, Peter, look at this. He ignored her. It, It says it right there. But he answered, no, excuse me, verse 23. But he answered her not a word. Jesus. You ignored her. That would have been it for most of us. We'd have got offended. He doesn't even have time to listen to me. I just poured out my heart. I gave him honor and respect. 
called him son of David, which means I believe he's the Messiah. I gave him honor and respect, and I poured out my heart about this horrible situation that my daughter's in, and he ignored me. He looked over there and started laughing with John about some joke and act like I wasn't even here. See, she could have gotten offended right there. The offense of being ignored. And she could have walked away easily. And she would have been validated. We would understand where she's coming from. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. Jesus, send this woman away. Now she's bothering us. Come on, she's she's coming after us. She's bothering us. Okay, first of all, I didn't hear her crying out to any of the disciples. She wasn't looking for one of them. Just send her away. This was their heart. They thought they were better than her. That Why would we help her? Send her away, Jesus. Get rid of her. Now she's bothering us. Some people are offended, not with Jesus, but with his people. She could have gotten offended with the disciples. She's bothering us. Go away. Jesus, tell her to get out of here. Tell her to go away. She could have been offended with his people. There are a lot of people that they're not so much offended with God. They're offended with his people. Something that church people did to them or said to them or something that a preacher did to them or something that somebody in the name of God hurt them. And drove them away. Insensitive. You know, there's only one perfect church in the whole world, and nobody goes to it. That's the only way it's perfect, because there's no people in it. <laughs> Every church has problems. If it's got people in it, it's got... We all have our deals, and we can all hurt people. Verse 24 says... But he answered, okay, finally, now Jesus is going to answer this poor woman. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Wait, what did you say, Jesus? Oh, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, I ain't come for you. I'm not here for you. What? Verse 25. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. How she not offended yet? That's the offense of insignificance or making you feel like you don't matter. What Jesus said to her, I didn't come for you. And it's really like if you came up to me and asked me for money to pay your power bill and I said, I barely got money to pay the power bill for my kids and that's my first responsibility. I ain't got no money for you. This is for my kids. 
That's the attitude that Jesus was having with her. Not like you feel like you don't matter, like you're insignificant, like nobody hears you. That, that was that. She could have been offended. She could have felt insignificant, like she didn't matter and she could have walked. But she came and she worshiped, saying, Lord, help me. Verse 26. But he answered and said, Okay, finally, Jesus, come on. He answered and said, It is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. What? Jesus, now you've insulted this woman. Now you've pretty much, you've called her a dog. You just insulted her. Who talks like that? The beautiful one, Jesus. Grace and mercy and love. The one that, that taught us the Beatitudes. The one, all these. Jesus? You have that friend that just says whatever they think? People, you're like, you can't say that to people. Stop. Why would you talk to somebody like that? Oh, man, you sure do look fat. Why the thank you? Wow, you look really old. That person that just says whatever they, my gosh, you look tired. Oh, thank you so much. That's what I was going for. I really appreciate it. They'll say, oh, I'm just keeping it real, man. No, you're just being a jerk, man. <laughs> That's what it seemed like Jesus was doing. You know, telling the truth doesn't mean saying everything you think. I'm just throwing that out there. But who talks like that? It's an insult. That's the third one. The offense of being insulted. Feeling like you're attacked for who you are or what you are or your past or where you came from. You're being insulted. The thing is, if you go do some studying on it, this was a cultural norm. The Jews, the Israelites, they called Canaanites dogs. That's what they called them. It wasn't right. But they felt like they were above them. So they called them dogs. The Canaanites, the Phoenicians, all Gentiles, which by the way is us. We're not Jews. Outsiders. And they would even call women dogs because they felt like they were lower. They were outside. A dog is outside. A dog. Now, if you go home and study this and read it, look at some commentaries and, and what people will say about it, they try to soften Jesus' words, all of them. You'll, the first things you'll read if you go look this up and start reading about this is they'll start saying, well, it was a Greek word that Jesus used and, and what most of the time the Israelites or the Jews, when they would call them dogs, they used a word that means wild dog. 
mean wild dog. And the word that Jesus used means pet dog or puppy. Oh, that's much better. Yeah. So Jesus didn't call her like, like, you're a ferocious wild dog. You're a pit bull. No, he said, you're a chihuahua. Oh, that's much better. I thank you so much. I'd rather be a wild I think I might rather be called a wild dog than a than a pet dog. A chihuahua. They try to soften Jesus' words because obviously a lot of people had a problem with understanding why would Jesus speak to somebody like that? He must not have meant that. Maybe it wasn't that bad. It was just a it was a, a little dog. The word means a little dog, a pet dog. They try to soften his words. Really? She was a puppy. No. I'd rather be called the wild dog than the little chihuahua. You see, no matter how you spin it, these words were harsh. These were the ugliest words that ever came from the beautiful one. Why? He was echoing the words of the disciples and what they actually believed about this woman. He was saying to her face what everyone was saying behind her back. See, sometimes the best way to deal with falsehood is to bring it to the light. It's to bring it out. If we look at Jesus, if we read the the Gospel of Matthew, I mentioned a few minutes ago how it starts with the lineage of Jesus and the Israelites and the Jewish fathers and it comes down all the way down to where Jesus was born from Mary and Joseph and the son of David and how all the good Jews and Israelites would have said, yeah, this is the Savior. But then throughout his ministry and throughout the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is teaching them something different. He's teaching them that there's a better way. And this 50-mile journey out of the way was to help change their view. And her response to Jesus calling her a dog, I know what my response would have been. I think that would be the point where I would have got offended. Calling me and my daughter a dog? You and your little group of disciples y'all think that's funny when he said that you know Peter probably <laughs> we got a seat at the table we don't feed the bread to the dogs I mean that was probably the breaking point look what she said and she said truth Lord Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Who is this woman? And then Jesus answered. And this is where all the disciples would have gasped. Because they're all like, yeah, Jesus, you tell her. Yeah, Jesus, you get rid of her. Yeah, she's lower than us. She's a dog. She... And then Jesus said, Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman. That word woman is woman or wife. 
family. That's not a dog. Oh, woman, great is thy faith. This would have been the greatest compliment. That Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, would compliment your faith. This is what all the disciples would have wanted from their master, that what they tried to prove by leaving everything, what they, they tried to prove through their obedience, they, oh, of great faith. Jesus thinks, I have great faith. Then Jesus gives her this compliment. And the disciples were probably, what? What she? Great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou, as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole. From that very hour. She didn't stop on an offense. So she got her breakthrough. She got her miracle because she didn't get hung up on an offense. She kept pushing. She got tested hard. She got tested really hard and didn't take the bait. In this moment... He validated what she knew and what the disciples were most afraid of. That he came for everyone. And then he commends her for her faith. He only did that twice that I can find in all of the Gospels. It was here with her and with the Roman centurion. The Romans were over them. And this woman they felt was under them because of who she was and because of the fact that she was a woman. Now you can imagine the disciples' attitudes. Are you serious, Jesus? We're your boys. We're Jews. We were born out of the right families. We left everything. We should have a seat at the table, not them. A Roman, a Canaanite woman, you compliment their faith. And yet Jesus teaches them, you need to be like them. Because you have belief and they have a great faith. You believe. But there's a step further. They have great faith. The disciples felt like they had a right. We want to sit at your right hand and your left. We, we have a right to, we have a seat at the table. We gave up everything to follow you. We're your disciples. We have a right. They felt like they had a right. Like they had earned a spot on the team. And this woman knew she didn't have a right. She wasn't entitled. She just had a need. And she chose not to be offended. I need what you got. And I will not run. I will not be offended. So in Matthew 1, he starts out the book giving the lineage of how everything is, what it should be. And after all these years of ministry, in Matthew 28, Jesus tells them to go unto all nations. And preach the gospel everywhere to everybody. And here, 
chapter 15 was almost right in the middle of the book of Matthew. It's kind of like their turning point to realize that it's for everybody, guys. Oftentimes, God will place your miracle behind an offense. Behind an offensive situation. God will put your miracle, He'll put your breakthrough behind it. Why? To test your faith. See, after she pressed through and she made it through, he said, man, you got some great faith. Because you didn't trip. Another word for offense is a stumbling stumbling block. Because you didn't trip over all the opportunities you had to be offended. You climbed right on over them, kept stepping over them, and kept pressing on. Great is your faith. Great is your faith. And God will place your miracle and your breakthrough and the thing that you're, you're believing for, He'll place it behind some offenses to see if you'll press on through so that you'll be strong enough to handle it when you get there. When you get your miracle, when you get your breakthrough. He, in 1 Peter 1 and in James 1, remember we looked at the testing of your faith. You'll go through trials and testing Of your faith. If you allow it to offend, you won't comprehend. If you allow yourself to get offended, you won't comprehend what God's trying to do. You won't see what He's trying to do in your life. It'll just be, I can't believe how that happened. If she would have walked away at any of these times, In her mind, Jesus would have just been a jerk and all his disciples were too and I guess he really wasn't the Messiah and and her daughter would have lived her life with the sickness or the disease. Oh, and that's why I think it, it wasn't a devil because where it said, and her daughter was made whole or healed. So... When, when other places where we see that a demon or a devil was cast out, it tells that it was cast out or what. But when somebody was sick, they were made whole or they were healed. Her daughter was healed. I had given them another stri- scripture and I was going to go talk to you about pain and about Joseph. I think we'll save that for next week because I think we're I think we're good being offended is a choice you get to choose you can take the bait you can get trapped or you can walk in freedom let's pray God, thank you. God, thanks for speaking to our hearts and our minds. God, thank you that you came for all of us. Every one of us. And God, I ask you right now to help us to not think about somebody else that we know that needs to hear this, and I hope they heard that, but to apply it to ourselves. For me to apply it to Dusty. For us to apply it to ourselves. 
and say, hey, am I offended? Am I taking on offenses for other people instead of being a solution? Instead of bringing hope and healing and help. God, we love you. Thanks for moving. Thanks for speaking to us. Thank you for growing us up. We want to mature. We love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.